So Genesis chapter 32, if you turn there with me, um, we are continuing in our series entitled Bridges. This is a relation, a series dealing with relationships. Uh, in week one, I showed you how to revitalize all of your relationships. And then last week, Pastor Taj showed us how to build a healthy marriage. Today in, in week three, I want to show you some ways to repair broken relationships. Ways to repair broken relationships. I, I alluded to this back in week one where I talked about re- revitalizing relationships and how those principles can help you. And of course, the principles Pastor Todd shared last week. But I want to specifically focus on repairing broken relationships. Remember, a bridge that is damaged or broken can no longer be used to connect two different pieces of land. Isn't that right? If it's broken or damaged, it's dangerous. You're no longer able to cross it. You know, I had a, a, a visual in my head. You remember years ago, it was, I think it was, was it back in the 90s, I believe, when they had that major earthquake in uh, San Francisco? And you remember the bridges collapsed and they actually had cars on the bridge. You remember that? It was during, a, a, I think, a New York Giants game and it collapsed. And, and I had that visual and obviously the people on that bridge were killed or seriously injured. And that bridge was impassable for many, many uh months and I don't know how long it took to repair. So my question to you today is, is there a relationship in your life or some relationships that you have damaged or have been damaged and you're no longer able to connect with that person or group of people? Maybe you've tried, maybe there's, there's um, less connection or maybe just a lack of connection all together. So today we're going to look at a relationship in the Bible between two brothers, Jacob and Esau, that was broken and in very bad shape. Last month during our vision series, I used the life of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We looked at some of Jacob's life in that, in, in, in that message, but we're going to look specifically at Jacob and his, his twin brother Esau. Let me just set this up for you, give you a little overview before we read some scripture about the two. So these were twins that as they grew older, a couple of major things happened that totally separated and damaged and disconnected their relationships. One, Jacob had persuaded Esau out of his, his birthright. Esau came back. He was an outdoorsman. He was a hunter. He came back famished one day and said, man, you know, I'm starving. Give me some of that soup you're cooking. Jacob was cooking up some soup. And he said, well, give me your birthright for it. And he said, what well, is my birthright? Good, my birthright's no good to me if I starve to death. Of course, he was being dramatic, what would be called dramatic. And the Bible says he showed contempt for his birthright, his, his own, you know, carnal, uh, uh, fleshly desires for food in that moment overrode the fact that he was the firstborn. He traded his birthright to Jacob. But yes, Jacob should not have persuaded or manipulated him out of it. And then later on, Jacob stole Esau's firstborn blessing from his father. Uh, by, by the influence of his mother, Rebecca, he dressed up like his, his, um, his brother Esau and put on some fur and some, and, and his clothes to make him smell like it. Uh, his brother, because his dad was already blind, couldn't see anything, and he stole the firstborn blessing from Esau. So Esau, of course, hated Jacob and planned to kill him after their father Isaac died. Their mother, Rebecca, knew this and encouraged Jacob to flee to her brother who lived in a distant land. After many years, wives and children, the Lord told Jacob to go back to his native land. And this is where we're going to see the interaction. After many, many years where Esau hated Jacob, 
wanted to kill him. Now they're about to meet again. So I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture just to give you an overview. If you've never read this story, Genesis 32, you can read all the details of it in the book of Genesis. But I want to start in Genesis 32 verse 3, where we'll pick up the story as Jacob begins to travel back to his land as the Lord told him. Verse 3 says, Then Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. He told them, Give this message to my master Esau. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now I have been living with Uncle Laban, and now I own cattle, donkeys, flocks of sheep and goats, and many servants, both men and women. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, We met your brother Esau, and he is already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household among the flocks and herds and camels into two groups. He thought if Esau meets one group and attacks it, perhaps the other group can escape. You can tell this was a broken relationship because he thought, man, my brother's on his way to attack me. These 400 people is not a welcoming committee, is what he's thinking. Then Jacob prayed, oh God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, oh Lord, you told me return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and children. But you promised I will surely treat you kindly and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sand along the seashore. Too many to count. Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother Esau. And then the Bible goes on to name numerous different kinds of animals that he was getting ready to present to his brother Esau. Now let's pick up the story now in Genesis 33, 1. It says, Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, this was two of his wives, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and his children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead. As he approached his brother, he bowed to the ground seven times before him. Then Esau ran to meet him and and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and children and asked, who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given me, your servant Jacob. Verse 8, and what are all the flocks and herds I met as I came, Esau asked. Jacob replied, they are a gift to my Lord to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I have brought you, for God has been very gracious to me. I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have laid out, Lord God, everything that we need for our lives in your word. Your word is living and true and active and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that through your word today, you would speak to us, that you would help us. Lord, I know it's your heart to repair and restore broken relationships, and I pray that that would begin today. Lord, we can't do it on our own, nor do we want to. Lord, we need your help. Help me today as I clearly present your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. From this account in the Bible, I want to give you three ways that you could begin repairing broken relationships. Number one, 
you need to present yourself in humility. When you're in a broken relationship with someone and you're working towards restoring that relationship or repairing that relationship, when you come to that person, you must present yourself in humility. Again, Genesis 32, 4, he told him, give this message to my master Esau, humble greetings from your servant Jacob. And then later in 33.3, it said that he approached his brother and he bowed to the ground seven times before him. This was not bowing in worship. This was a respectful and humble approach to his brother. Now, given, and I want to set, set a little precedent here, given some of this wasn't just a heart to restore relationship, Jacob didn't want to get killed, okay? So let's make no bones about it. Jacob didn't want to get killed. But I, I was, as I was studying, I was reading some different, you know, uh, uh, commentary on this. And there are, is different takes on, on, uh, his posture. Was it real? Was it fake? Was he just scared? But I believe these principles are the same. I believe there was a little bit of both going on here. Jacob knew there was no way he could have justified his actions. Humility, even if it was out of fear, was his best chance. Now, let me say this. When you know you've done something or things to damage a relationship, the best chance you have is to go to that person with your hat in your hand. Not trying to justify your actions by any means. Look at Proverbs 6, 3. It says this, for if you have come into the hand of your friend, go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Now, this was in the context as if you, if you, uh, if you, you put up, um, the money for somebody's debt is the context. But the principle again is the same. You humble yourself before that person and say, listen, you know, I, 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 I want to make this work. We, we, we cannot go into a broken relationship and try to make it better with guns ablazing, so to speak. Right? Because if you're anything like me, that's our tendency sometimes. Look, man, I want to talk to you, but I just want to say, this is why I did this. You ever tried that? I'm like 0 for 12 every time I've done that, right? Never works. Never works well. Jay, he can, he, he's, he can agree. Look at Proverbs 18, 12. No one, look at this, no one is respected unless he is humble. Arrogant people are on their way to ruin. You know, there's a misconception even in the church that you can demand respect. You humble your way to respect. You don't demand it. We can't demand respect. The Bible says the one who is, he, he, no one is respected unless he is humble. Is that, I can't get more clear than that, right? If you want respect, the way to respect is through humility. You must humble yourself, not demand it. If you, you, you business owners or you supervisors on a job or you men, the head of the households, it's not demanding respect. If we humble ourselves, will be respected. But arrogant people are on the way to ruin. Not only will arrogance ruin you, arrogance usually ruins your relationships as well. You know, I recently watched a documentary about American, a professional American athlete, and some of you are going to know who I'm talking about, but I won't say his name, who got into a lot of trouble with the law. Uh, he, he got in a lot of trouble with the law and got in some hot water with some activist groups because of, of animal cruelty. And at first, uh, as I'm watching this documentary, he says that, you know, because he was one of the top athletes in his sport or maybe the top athlete as his position in his sport, he said, man, I felt invincible. I, he said whenever they first, the charges first came to him, he said, man, this is all going to blow over. Not a big deal. Well, when it didn't blow over, 
he realized, and he, he, he ended up turning himself in. He realized, man, you know what? He got advice and, and, and ended up coming out, and he, he admitted his wrong. He humbled himself. He asked for forgiveness. He received help, including from a man, a guy that was also in the same sport, a retired coach that came and actually began to disciple him. He took the steps he needed in order to try to make things right, which included two years in prison. Over the years and to this day, listen to this, he has won the respect of people who were previously calling for him to get the death penalty over what he had done. And what happened? It all started with humility. And even to this day, when he talks about this incident and the things he said he would do, he humbled himself. He said, this was absolutely wrong. I, I, I shouldn't have did this. No one else should do this. And now he's been an advocate against the crimes that he's committed. And even over the years now, you know, some people say, well, he's just doing this to get his job back or get back into the sport and whatnot. And some people thought that. Years later, he's been out of the sport, he's been retired, and he's still doing the same things that he said he was going to do. He took the steps, he humbled himself, and he's, and he's now respected by those that literally were calling for the death penalty for this man for the animal cruelty that he had done. It all starts with humility, saints. Remember, no one is respected unless they are humble. If you're in a broken relationship, especially if you've done something wrong, and the truth is, not all the time, but most of the time, when we're in broken, busted up, damaged relationships, most of the time, we have something to do with it as well. Isn't that right? I'm not saying there's some times where it may be the only the other party, but most of the time, you know how I know that? Because you're human just like me. We're all human. So when you're working towards repairing broken relationships, go with your hat in your hand, humble yourself, present yourself as Jacob did in humility. Amen? Number two, pave the way with a gift. After you present yourself in humility, pave the way with a gift. Look at Genesis 33.8. Esau then asked, and what was the meaning of all those herds that I met? I was hoping, this is Jacob speaking, I was hoping that they would pave the way for my master to welcome me. That brother was like, I'm, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to send him a whole bunch of gifts to help maybe soften the blow of what I've done here in the past. Now, Jacob used physical gifts, so you can, you, but I want to encourage you to pave the way with a different kind of gift. I'm not saying buy your way out of a broken relationship. All right? No, I mean, a little extra something on top of what I'm about to say might not hurt, right? But I'm not talking about physical gifts. He used physical gifts. He used herds, animals. Animals, by the way, was the currency of the time. Jacob became a very wealthy man, so he had sheep, donkeys, cattle. Again, if you read, that was his currency. It was basically like him giving him money, in essence. A humble, heartfelt apology is one of the best gifts that you can give. Pastor Todd hit on this last week. Remember, at start beginning, a humble Heartfelt apology is the best gift that you can give. I wouldn't even plan on sharing this, but you know what? I, I was, um, my wife adjusted me last night. You remember week one? Get feedback and allow it adjust me. I was um, apologizing to one of my children last night, but I was also um, correcting them at the same time. And afterwards, my wife was like, can I give you a little feedback? And so I was like, Sure. And she said, you know, it probably wasn't, you know, uh, the, the, you know, to, I understand what you're saying, you're trying to teach her, but if you want to apologize to her, you know, it probably wasn't the best time during correction. 
And she's right. Again, if we have a humble, heartfelt apology, not like, hey, man, look, I'm sorry I did this, Jamie, but you did this to me. Again, does that ever work good? I'm sorry, but. If you have that but after it, it just cancels out everything else you just did. And that's what my wife was telling me. So later I went right. I went make it right with my child and without any correction or life lessons attached to it. I, um, I apologized to her. She apologized to me and we, we made it right. So listen, this is the first gift Jacob should have given to his brothers instead of animals, by the way. We never read an account in scripture that Jacob ever apologized, right? So again, he wasn't perfect in this, just like we're not. He gave animals. He should have said, brother, I'm sorry for everything that I did. I mean, at least the Bible doesn't record it. Maybe it's somewhere along the way he did. But you know, for us, if you know you've done something to damage that relationship, it all starts with a heartfelt, I am sorry. And that's where it starts. Now, you know, as Pastor Todd said last week, you know, it, it, it might not be like, hey, I'm sorry, and then everything's well. I mean, that, that may just be the beginning of it, you know. That may just be the very beginning. Because another great gift that can pave the way to repairing relationships is by showing the other person or people that you are taking the steps and doing the work you need to to change. It's one thing to say, I'm sorry. It's another thing to say, hey, I'm sorry, and I'm going to work on this. I'm sorry for the way I hurt you. I'm sorry for the way I talked to you. I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And I want to prove to you that I'm working, that I've changed, or that I'm trying to change, right? The old adage, don't tell me, show me, right? Right? My dad told me that many, many years growing up. Don't tell me, show me. You can say I'm sorry, but, you know, a best gift you can give is to show people that you're working to restore and to do the things to repair the relationship. Look at... uh Genesis 33, 8, again, we're going to read it back in the New Living Translation. And what are all those flocks and herds I met as I came? Esau asked. Jacob replied, they are a gift, my Lord, to ensure your friendship. You know, things like heartfelt apologies and showing, working at, showing the, those in your relationships that you're working at it. These are things that you can try to ensure a repaired relationship. Listen, you know, nothing's promised, but I, I, I'm telling you, I know most people, if they see that you're working, if, that you're trying, most people, especially if your spouse that you've committed to and they've committed to you and they love you, if they see you're working at it, most people are going to be gracious. It's whenever we're going through life flippantly and, and not and trying to, again, justify what we've done, that really hurts us. Look at Proverbs 18, 16. It says, a man's gift Given in love and courtesy makes room for him. Isn't that good? A man's gift makes room for him. The Amplify says, given in love and courtesy. What I want to say to you this morning is whatever gift you give, it must be given out of love and pure motives. Right? See, that's why they were, a lot of people were skeptical about this professional athlete because they thought the things he was doing wasn't because, and somebody said this on this documentary, they interviewed all kind of people, and they said, well, he's, he's not really, you know, repentant, so to speak. They didn't use that word, but that's what they were saying. He's just remorseful because he got caught. They didn't think his motives were pure. But over many, many years, he's shown that they were, that he really was sorry for what he did and that he was turning around a new leaf. Look at what Charles Swindoll says. Some gifts you can give are beyond monetary value. And that's what I'm talking about on this point. Just so you make this clear, I wanted to quote Chuck Swindoll. Some gifts you can give are beyond monetary value. Mend a relationship, dismiss suspicion, 
Tell someone I love you. Forgive someone who has treated you wrong. Turn away wrath with a soft answer, which is, which is a scripture. Apologize if you are wrong. Be especially kind to someone with whom you work. Come on, y'all can apply that tomorrow morning, right? Give as God gave to you without obligation or announcement or reservation or hypocrisy. Church, these are the kind of gifts that we should give all the time, right? As born-again believers, as Chuck Sundahl said, this is the kind of gifts that are not monetary that we should give all the time, but especially if you want to pave the way to repairing a broken relationship. Pave the way with these kind of gifts. Humble yourself. Give heartfelt apologies. Show that you're truly working on what what you know you've done wrong. And let me just, you know, piggyback back to week one. One of the best ways to do it, well, what should I work on? Listen to their feedback. Listen to their feedback. If you're trying to repair a broken relationship, you know, it's like, well, man, what, what must I do? Right? The person that you've hurt and damaged, they'll tell you what you need to do. Why? Because they know how you've hurt them. Right? If you've been hurt, you know, you know what, what, what some of the things that continuously hurt you. Just like, you know, you might know if you don't know, like, man, oh, I didn't know this hurts your feelings when I say this or when I do this. Right? Again, an old saying for me, because of, of a lot of y'all know me, I can be loud, my tone of voice. I've, many, many times, how many of y'all heard it's not what you say, it's how you say it. There's been many a times where I hurt my wife, and she's like, well, when you said this, and I'm like, all I said was this. And when she told me later, it wasn't what I said at all. It wasn't the words, it was my tone. Just my tone in itself cut her. And those are, those are one of the things to this day that I'm still praying and working on. My gift to my family a lot of times or to my friends or to my coworkers around me is to watch my tone and not what I say, but how I say it. Amen? So present yourself humbly. Pave the way with a gift. And the third and final thing is pray for God's intervention. Because the truth is none of this is going to work without God's help. Matter of fact, I was talking to a brother before service, and he said, hey, you preaching today? I said, yeah. He said, what are you preaching on? And I, and I told him, and he said, man, that's a good subject. And he said, you know, only God can truly repair our relationships, and he's absolutely right. This is the last point, but it's the, very, it's the most important. And we're going to see in Jacob's life how he did it too. Of course, we have things we can work on, but you know what? Only God can truly repair and restore broken relationships. Let's look at Genesis 32, verses 9 and 11 again. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. I am not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown me, your servant. O Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me along with my wives and children. Jacob knew that in the natural, he had no chance to be reconciled to his brother or even survive for that matter if God did not intervene. You know, there are some relationships in our lives, or really all of them, I say some, I want to go back to what I just said. All of our relationships in our lives that really have no chance of being repaired unless the Lord intervenes. 
Because one, for us to truly change and be transformed, we need the Lord's help. Matter of fact, I heard a man of God say, there's things we can do to change ourselves, but only God can transform us. You've heard me say that before, right? What about the other person? Even when God's transforming you and working on you, sometimes you're like, Lord, I'm doing everything I can, and it seems like the other person's getting worse. How many of y'all have been there? Only God can come in and intervene. You know, I'm reminded of a couple that's actually sitting in this building right now in this church, and I asked for their permission to use this. I'm not going to say their name, but I asked their permission. And, you know, they, as a couple, they had went through a tragedy, and, and, and they were just having a really hard time in their marriage. They were on their way to divorce. Literally, the papers were being filed. They had lawyers. Everything was going on. As, of course, as I was walking with the husband through this, I can remember sitting down at a certain restaurant here in Lafayette and, and just trying to encourage him about to have hope, man, to have hope that the Lord could, could change, you know, things that, that's going on in your relationship. And he really, and I, I even called him Friday as I was preparing for this and I wanted to get the details right. I said, you know, he, he said, man, I really don't, basically he said, I don't have any hope that the circumstances are that this is going to change. And I remember looking at him and said, brother, if you don't have hope, I'm going to hope for you and I'm going to continue to pray for you. So, you know, we finished our lunch and, 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 you know, went on and told him I'd keep praying for him. And I did. And I don't remember how long it was. I didn't get the time frame, but a few weeks, maybe a couple of months later, one morning I'm getting dressed and I receive a text message and he said, Hey man, I'm realizing that with Jesus, all things are possible. He said, thank you for all your help. Thank you for praying for us. So, man, you're welcome. And I was walking out the door, so I figured it had something to do with this relationship, but I didn't, I didn't have the time to pick up the phone and call or text or anything. And so, but I had planned on, I planned on following up, you know, with my brother. And I mean, maybe about a week later, I see both him and his wife here at church. And they're sitting in this building here today. Come on. Amen. What happened there? They prayed and God intervened. It, it looked like the situation was hopeless. It looked like, I mean, I know for him specifically, he felt like all hope was gone. But as we prayed, I believe God worked on both of them. Amen? And God changed their hearts. And again, now they're, they're, they're sitting here today. They're both serving the Lord. They both love the Lord. They have a beautiful family. Hey, listen, you may have came to church just to hear that story today. I'm telling you. Papers were filed, lawyers, I mean, the whole process was starting. And God intervened in this marriage, and they're here today. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's something else. Listen, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, there's always hope. God is a hope to the hopeless, y'all. It's hard sometimes because we don't see it in the natural. My brother could not see a change at all. Honestly, I couldn't either. I didn't, but all I knew was that, hey, you know what? God is bigger than this. Listen, the Bible says that the, the Lord holds the heart of kings in his hands and he can turn them whichever way he wants. I stand on that scripture when I'm praying for people because I believe that supernaturally God could change people's hearts. Why do I believe that? Because the Bible says that. I believe if people are open and they're willing that things can happen, God can intervene and change. And as my brother said earlier this morning, really, truly, only God can repair broken relationships. Now, I want to take a moment to look at Jacob's prayer because it's a wonderful example of how to address the Lord when we come to him for prayer for a broken or, you know, relationship or any, really, any prayer. It's really a great prayer. First, Jacob had a correct attitude of genuine humility and total dependence 
upon God. Second, he based his appeal on God's will. Next, he reminded God of his relationship with him. God of my, my father and my grandfather, and now I'm, you know, I'm your son. He reminded God of the relationship. He reminded God of his command for Jacob to return to his land. He's like, Lord, I'm, I'm being obedient to what you told me to do. Finally, Jacob repeated God's promises back to him. This is powerful. So listen, when we pray, we must pray according to God's will. That's the biggest thing. I think sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we're not praying according to God's will. Well, what's his will? I think I said this two weeks ago too. God's word is his will. If it's in the Bible, it's his will. That's how you know you're praying according to God's word. Example from what Pastor Todd showed us last week and we see in the Bible. It's God's will that marriages and family relationships be restored, right? God says, I hate divorce. God says, I turn the hearts of the father back to the children, the children of the father. God's heart is for family. It's for marriages. It's for, for parents and children to, to be in a healthy relationship or for broken relationships to be repaired. And that's why Pastor Todd spent all last week on that. We know that, listen, if you're, you've, you've taken vows, you've made a covenant. I did a wedding in the lobby just here yesterday. And I, I tell every couple I'm married, hey, listen, I want to remind you, this is not just a legal contract. This is a covenant. You're making a covenant between you and each other and between God. And I know it's hard in the Western world. We don't always understand what a covenant, but a covenant is never meant to be broken. So if you've entered into a covenant with someone else that you're married to, it's God's will for y'all to stay together. That's according to scripture. By the way, today we're launching life groups and we have, we're going to have about four different marriage life groups that we're kicking off. By the way, my wife and I are going to be kicking one off first week in March, starting March 4th, I think it is, on a Wednesday night. My wife and I are going to be facilitating a marriage life group, and there's like three other couples. One of them is starting two weeks after us. Some are starting around the same time. So I want to encourage you specifically. I just want to take this time. Specifically, if you're, one, in a broken marriage right now, we want to encourage you to come out to one of these life groups. Again, you can go look at all the different ones. Maybe the Wednesday night that we're doing is not going to work for you. Go look at the different life groups that have the different nights. And listen, and, 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 and get in the one, invest in your marriage. Even if your marriage is not broken, again, Pastor Todd talked about building healthy marriages. We don't have to be in a bind to work on our marriages, right? We can continue to get healthy. We can be in a good place and then get to a better place, right? So, but this really life groups is why we, do, the reason we do life groups is what I'm talking about today. And with Pastor Ty, we've been talking about this whole three weeks and we're going to talk about for a few more weeks. Life groups is a great way to help repair broken marriages, but also just continue to strengthen and help with healthy marriages and relationships. We must also pray from the position of our relationship with God. We can always approach God if we are his children. If you are a born-again believer, you are God's child. The Bible says you've been adopted in, and you can approach God whenever you want. We have to realize this. Again, as parents, our children are able to approach us whenever they want. Isn't that right? Now, listen, I'm not saying they can cut us off and be interrupt us and be rude when we're talking. I'm not saying that. But any time my children can come and talk to me, I, they have open access to me, right? Isn't that right? That's how it should be. If your parents, your children have access to you. It's not like when my children want to meet with me, I don't say, well, you know what, Joe, I'll call the office and set an appointment with Miss Charlotte. No, right? I don't do that. He's my son, right? He, he has access to me. Why do we treat God any different? Why do we approach God any different? 
The Bible says we are seated with, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We got to understand our position and our relationship with God through Christ Jesus gives us total access. And that's what Esau, I'm sorry, what Jacob was doing. We also have to learn the promises of God and stand on them by repeating them to God and proclaiming them ourselves. You remember, that's what Jacob did. Jacob said, God, remember, you said you were going to do A, B, C, and D. You said you was going to give me this land. Our descendants would, would, would multiply like the sand on the seashore. That's what we talked about last month. And he repeated his promises back to God. He knew like, Lord, if my brother takes me out, this promise is going to end today or tomorrow, right? So he was repeating his promise. Again, this could have been, you know, out of fear. It had nothing to do with restoring his relationship. He was just trying to save his skin probably at this point. But he knew he, whatever the, 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 the uh, motive was, he knew he needed God's intervention. And he went before the Lord and he repeated his promises to God and stood on those. And we know in Genesis 33, 4, that Esau's friendly greeting was an answer to Jacob's prayer. He embraced him. He kissed him. He knew that he had answered. God had answered his prayer. Esau was gracious and forgiving and the two were reconciled. Here's a side note. I've been talking about what we need to do to damage, or I mean to repair damage relationships. Have we done the damage? If you're on the receiving end of a heartfelt, humble apology, as we always talk about, I want to encourage you to do what Esau did and to forgive. You may be the one on the, the side like, man, I, honestly, I haven't done much to damage. I've been hurt. I've been cut, and I get it. Somebody might walk out of his room today and go and begin to try to restore a relationship, or in time, somebody might, you know, God might work in their heart to come to you, and I want to encourage you to forgive. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is supernatural. But Esau, after all of that that he did, Esau forgave him. He was gracious to him, and he forgave him. We also see another sign of restoration, and you can read these later in Genesis 35, because the two brothers, they went and they buried their father Isaac together. And you can see this, and, and other you know, theologians have said this. This is a sign that they were reconciled, because when their father died, they went together and they buried him together. And I thought about this. You know a relationship is really broken, and we go to a lot of funeral homes. We do a lot of funerals, and we've seen it. When there's people that can't even be in the same room with a funeral parlor together because they're so estranged from one another as siblings, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So these brothers came together and buried their father. Listen, y'all, time is too short to live with animosity, to live with unforgiveness, to live with aught, whether it be with your spouse, your siblings. I mean, this again, y'all, I'm talking about relationships in general, We, you know, Coworkers, friends, you know, you got some good friends you hadn't seen in years, brothers, sisters, cousins, whoever the case may be. We need to work at repairing broken relationships. Remember that according to Romans 8, 28, that God can take broken relationships and work them out for our good and for his glory. Amen. So just to recap, number one, how do you repair broken relationships? Number one, you present yourself in humility Two, pave the way with a gift. And three, pray for God's intervention. That's, that's the most important. We need God to help us with all three of these. And, of course, there's many others. So as we close today, as I said two weeks ago, the most important relationship we can have, according to Jesus, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, both speaking with relationships. But the first one is to love God with all your heart. Maybe your relationship with God is broken. Or maybe it's just non-existent. Because of sin, we are separated from God. But as I mentioned as well, that Jesus built a bridge between 
us and God with the cross. Listen with Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says. It says, this includes you who were f- once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Sin has separated each and every one of us from the Lord. But Jesus built a bridge by dying on the cross. I know a lot of y'all have seen this, but they'll go ahead and put this up. I wanted this visual again. Isn't that a great visual? We're on one side, God's on the other side, and we have separated. And there's John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die on a cross, that whoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a great visual. Only the cross can bridge our relationship with God. Do me a favor, bow your head with me. Close your eyes. If you don't mind, just we do this out of respect for those around you and really out of reverence for the Lord. I've really been praying about us being more reverent of the Lord as well. That's been stirring in my heart. <clears throat> if you Today, if you say, Brandon, my relationship with God is broken. Maybe you say, man, I once had a relationship with God, but, you know, man, I've gone away. Things have happened. Maybe like this couple, you've experienced a horrible tragedy in your life or, or you know, I, I, me and my wife and I talked to a young lady that had all kind of questions and was mad at God because of circumstances. Maybe that's you today. He said, man, I need, I need my, my relationship with God repaired. Or you say, Brandon, I don't know if I even have a relationship with God. I know that I have sin in my life. I, I can tell there's a separation between me and God. You know, I've showed up at church here, but I, I want to start a true relationship with the Lord. If that's you and say, Brandon, I need to get a right relationship with God. My relationship with God needs to be repaired. I want to begin one today. I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I need to get right with the Lord today. Ma'am, I see your hand. Hands over here. Thank you, Lord. Hands going up on the left. Over here on the right. Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up. I see you in the back over here. Anybody else? Say, Brandon, I know I need to get right with God. In the back, ma'am, I see your hand. Hands still going up. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, man, I need my relationship with God to be repaired, restored, or to begin today. I see hands still going up here in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on, we don't want to rush through this moment. Is there anyone else before we pray? Just signify, nobody's looking around. Thank you, Lord. All right, for those of you that raised your hands, the Bible says this. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It also says, repent of your sin. That means to turn away from it and to ask God to forgive you. And he is gracious to forgive us of our sins. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer to start a new relationship with the Lord today. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I receive the gift of salvation. And I ask that you would forgive me of every one of my sins that I've committed. Thank you for building a bridge to connect me and God the Father. Give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, why don't we rejoice with these that just, yes, thank you, Lord. Some of you at home, you may have prayed that as well, and we want to congratulate you. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in a pew in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Go ahead and fill out that card. Bring it to the info center. We give you a Bible. We would love to pray for you. And for the rest of us, hey, if you're in a broken relationship, one of these three things we may need to do. Why don't we stand up and let's pray through these three before we leave. Let's pray together. Maybe you're like, man, I I know I've messed up and I need to go before this person. 
Come on, let's ask the Lord to help us to be humble. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Help us to present ourselves in humility. When there's broken relationships in our lives that we need to repair, help us to walk humbly with you as you've challenged us, Lord, and, 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 and Michael, Lord God, and to walk humbly before other people as well. Lord, help us to pave the way with the gift of apologies, Lord God, and listening to feedback and working on the things we need to. And Lord, we pray for intervention. Come on, if you have a broken relationship, just lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, I pray for divine intervention that you begin to repair, restore, and reconcile broken and damaged relationships today. Thank you for saving those today. Thank you for helping us as we move forward. Bless these as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, y'all be careful. We'll see y'all soon.